0: Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of family caregivers who want wellness tips and self care solutions, who seek expert advice, and who want news about healthy aging and how to create well home design in our forever homes. I'm Sherry Snelling, a corporate gerontologist, author, and educator, a TV interviewer, host, and news commentator. I'm joining you from Southern California, where our interviews and news take us all across the country to explore the many ways to help you on your caregiving journey and to lift you up here at Caregiving Club On Air. Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. And our first November episode of season three, where we are going to focus on November's National Family Caregiver Month, also National Alzheimer's Month, we're going to be talking to three wonderful people in caregiving and Alzheimer's, Lori LeBay of Alzheimer's Speaks and also who has a new book out, as well as Lisa Tybursky of the George Glenner Daycare Centers for Dementia and Dementia Villages which is part of this town square innovation that they have. And Marianne Shuko of All's Authors. I'm your host, Sherry Snelling, and we have got so much planned for you in November. Of course, November is kind of like our Super Bowl in caregiving because there's so much going on with National Family Caregiving Month. But as I mentioned, also, it's National Alzheimer's Month and also National Family Stories Month. And then on November 1st, we have National Author Day. That's why I've got two of our guests today are... Either an author, Lori LeBay, who is a new author who has a book out called Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care, which is for not just kids, but actually people of all ages. But she's also the podcast host of Alzheimer Speaks, and she's going to be on to tell us her insights over the years of talking to family caregivers and creating the memory cafes, which we'll learn more about. And then she's going to reciprocate, and I'm going to actually be on her podcast in a couple of weeks. So she's a wonderful friend and colleague. And then Lisa Tybursky is someone I met a few years ago when I wrote an article on the town square, which is this really innovative adult daycare for people with dementia. And when I wrote the article, I called it Disneyland for dementia. You're going to really love this interview. I think you're going to learn a lot about what's out there that's really available to help families because it's not just helping the people with dementia, but also the family caregivers as well. And Lisa's here to tell us all the details of that wonderful day center that they have. And then, as I mentioned, Marianne Shuko is a new colleague and and a new friend, and she's the founder of All's Authors. Now, you're going to learn all Kinds of things from Marianne, but it's perfect for National Author Day to be talking to her about Alzheimer's and all of the great content and things that are out there to help us as family caregivers. Now, because we have these three great interviews this episode, I'm not going to go as far into the deep dive that I usually do on some of our news, but I will tell you that in Caregiver Wellness News, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Caregiver Action Network. They have a National Family Caregiver Month campaign called Connect Caregivers, which is perfect. And we're going to tell you what that's all about. I'm also going to tell you a little bit about, with Daylight Savings coming up, light therapy, depression, and Alzheimer's, some new studies. I think it's really important that we learn a little bit about this. And then well-home design is going to be interesting. I'm going to touch upon few things on dementia-friendly design at home. Now, I wrote an article for USA Today a few years ago, and I'll I'll touch upon those things, but I'm going to do also something else for you guys. I'm going to create a webinar on dementia-friendly design, and then we're going to have a link to that on our episode guide page, where you can watch that webinar. We'll go room by room and talk all about the different design and safety and, and color psychology and other things that you really need to know about to keep your loved one at home as long as possible if they've been diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's. And then finally, of course, we always end our episodes with our Me Time Monday wellness hack. This one comes from my new book, Me Time Monday, The Weekly Wellness Plan to Find Balance and Joy for a Busy Life. So I wrote about something called the seven A's of caregiving. This is your rules for relief when it comes to stress. And also the seven elements of wellness. How do we find balance in these different areas? I'm going to just give you some little nuggets on those things in the Me Time Monday wellness hack. And then obviously you can read a lot more of it in my new book. So with that, I'm going to go to our first interview, which is with Lisa Tybersky, as I mentioned, the chief marketing officer for the George Glenner Dementia Day Centers. But she's going to talk mostly about this really innovative model called Town Square, which is the first and only dementia village. I got to visit it when they opened a few years ago in San Diego. And she's going to tell us why this is based on reminiscence therapy and so really Beneficial for those with d- dementia, but also helps out family caregivers. So, here is my great interview with Lisa Tyberski. So, I am so excited to have this guest on our podcast because I've known her now for a few years. In fact, it, it was several years ago, I think, that I interviewed her for a great article that I did for PBS Next Avenue on this innovative program and service that is being offered to adults with dementia and also their family caregivers. So I'm excited to have Lisa Tybersky from George Glenner Centers on. Lisa, welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so great to have you. And I'm going to just have you tell our audience, where
1: are we talking to you from today? So I'm in San Diego, California, specifically Chula Vista, the town of Chula Vista, California, where our Town Square Day Center is located.
0: And, you know, it's really the epicenter of, of something that's really growing across the nation. I want to have you dive into telling us a little bit more about the Town Square, because it really is an innovative model. You can tell us maybe a little bit about it. It's based on something that was being done by the Dutch over in Holland, but in a, in a slightly different fashion. But tell us what the Town Square is really all about.
1: So I'll give you just a quick background on who we are as an organization. We're a 41-year-old nonprofit Founded in San Diego, we were founded by Dr. Glenner, Dr. George Glenner, and his wife, Joy Glenner. And we were founded in 1982 based on actually a a tragedy that Dr. Glenner and his wife were able to stop. It was the husband of one of Dr. Glenner's Alzheimer's patients had called Dr. Glenner in the middle of the night, frantic, and um, was just at the end of his rope taking care of his wife. And he had a loaded gun in his hand. And his only solution at that time was to murder his wife and commit suicide. So I tell that story just to, you know to make sure that people in your audience know, I mean, we were we were founded because of because of the need that caregivers have for support. And back then there weren't dozens of home care agencies and beautiful assisted livings and even organizations such as ours to service people or this population. So um, after that, they were able to stop that tragedy. and then after that, They ended up the next day. They said, oh, my gosh, research, which is what Dr. Glenner was focused on primarily, is so important, but so is taking care of these people that are living with it now. So they decided to open up the very first nonprofit adult day center in the country, actually back in 1982. It's located in downtown San Diego, an area called Hillcrest, and we still have that to this day. So that's the founding of our organization. Now, fast forward, we run three adult daycare centers for people with dementia. We're open Monday through Friday, nine to five, and we offer activities to stimulate the brain, give people a safe place to go to being looked after by staff members that understand dementia. And then equally as important are the caregivers then get a break.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, that story is really so poignant. And I had forgotten that kind of uh, origin story. I think you know we're so focused on mental health these days and understanding the specific challenges I think that come with dementia caregiving,
1: mm-hmm. how
0: tough it can be and and how you do feel just that you're out of, you know, out of all choices and everything. I think knowing that there's something like Glenner centers out there is really comforting to people. And that's why we wanted to have you on because we need to get the word out that there are some resources out there to help you. And as you said, it's really great for a lot of the family caregivers too who are working and they don't want their loved ones to be sitting home alone or or maybe even just having someone come in. They really want them to be in a safe and socially stimulating place, which is, I, I think, what the Glenner Centers have done. Tell us a little bit now about this this new model called Town Square, which I, I love. I think when I wrote my article, I think I called it Disneyland for those with dementia, mm-hmm. because it just reminded me of that immersive world that you step into. But tell us a little bit about what Town Square is.
1: Right, so Town Square is our newest adult day center. So it's the same as the others in that it is a Monday through Friday adult day center for people with dementia. All of our centers do reminiscing, music therapy, pet therapy, art, but Town Square in particular that we opened in 2018 has kind of take it to the next level. So our other centers do an amazing job with all those therapies, but Town Square, because of its environment, has been able to take it even further. So the whole concept of Town Square is it's inside a 9,000 square foot space in a warehouse building, and we've built it out to resemble a 1950s, 1960s small town. And the reason that we picked that is our average age of participants is around 80 years old. And typically, research has shown that memories are the strongest back when they were graduating from high school, getting married, having kids, early days of raising kids. Those are the strongest memories. So if we can bring people back to a time where their memories are the strongest, we might be able to pull out some of those memories that are left intact, which is huge because if you have dementia, you're going about your day, having people around you tell you, you don't remember, don't you remember, you forget what you had for lunch, you forget a conversation, you're asking the same thing over and over. It is very frustrating For the family, but it's also frustrating for the person with dementia because they obviously don't know that they just asked you, they don't remember things and it's extremely unsettling. So if you can put them in an environment where they actually do recall things like old songs or old posters of Elvis Presley or Marilyn Monroe and things that they resonate with, it just brings such peace of mind to people and such um, like a fulfillment and a purpose because they're having a conversation about something that they do recall. So the whole center is designed to look like 1950s, 1960s town. It has a 50s diner with the turquoise booths. And um, we've got a pub and a movie theater and city hall. And all of our participants come in and they'll rotate from storefront to storefront. We call them storefront, they're really activity spaces. And then they participate in different activities that are all designed to stimulate the brain, keep the brain engaged, They'll have activities that are one of five domains every single day. So it isn't just putting people in this space and saying, oh, that's cute. That's a cute diner. That's a cute 1959 T-Bird. They involve them with those props. And what I mean by that is the 59 T-Bird, for example, they will do activities surrounding the T-Bird and say, oh, what was your first car when you started driving? What kind of family trips did you go on when you were a kid? And it just kind of prompts conversation like that. So that's what that's what Town Square is about,
0: and and I love what I, again when I interviewed some of the the family caregivers who have loved ones that are being cared for, you know, one gentleman told me that he and his wife were no longer able. She has early onset. They weren't able to go to the movies, which they really really loved to do because you know she'd be a few minutes into the movie and get restless or start talking or or whatever and want to just leave, and that that really you know was disrupting for him too and kind of sad they couldn't share that, but now. A town square. You've got the movie theater. You can walk in and watch, you know, Clark Gable or Grace Kelly or yeah. Rock Hudson or whoever, right from that era. And, and Hey, after a few minutes, if she wants to get up and walk around, that's fine. There's no exactly. real disturbance or disruption. Exactly. I, I love that. And I, and I love the fact too, that you can, Sometimes have family come in, like the grandkids would come in and sit with grandparents, you know, in kind of the bandstand area and, you know, you could listen to music, or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's really tapping into what you said. It's not just the memories, but it's bringing the memories alive again. Mm -hmm. for these adults and then giving them this immersive experience, right? They're smelling the food that they remember. They're listening to the the tunes and seeing the scenes. So it's that multi-sensory experience and it makes them more active during the day. And you told me when we talked, that's really great because very often when you sit all day, even if you're maybe doing you know, some arts and crafts or something, but if you're sitting and you're sedentary, then that creates more of that wandering and that restlessness later at night. That's really tough for family caregivers. So tell us a little bit about some of these other benefits that a lot of the adults and family caregivers get from this experience.
1: So as you said, you know, if you sit around all day and do nothing, um, it, you're exhausted at the end of the day, weirdly, you know, it doesn't seem to make sense, but it's like after you get off a long plane ride, you're exhausted, but all you did was really sit there, right? Right. <laughs> so if you're just at home sitting and doing nothing, not only are you not stimulating the brain, but it it can, I don't know, you're exhausted, you're out of sorts, uh, the cognitive decline decreases or the The cognitive abilities decrease by not keeping the the brain active. So by engaging in all these activities and stimulating the brain and socializing with other people, you leave tired in a good way. And then that helps with sleep. It helps with agitation. It helps with mood. So then the family benefits from that at the end of the day, too, because their loved one is is tired in a good way. They're not restless at night, and then they'll tend, tend to sleep. Oftentimes, people don't remember exactly what they did here. They will, you know, they they will leave, though, knowing that they had a good time, that they were people were nice to them. They engaged in conversation. They laughed, but they won't remember necessarily the specific activity. And we we encourage families not to ask that. Like, what would you do today, mom? You know, it's more like, how was your day? Oh, right. the people are nice there. Huh? You know, those kinds of things. So it really does have a rippling effect when they go home. Right. Which is really great. And as you
2: said,
0: you know, it gives them again, this experience where they get to tap into some of those old memories. I I know you also had, I don't know if it's still there, but there was like a hospital setting. And I think there was a woman who would come in every day and she'd been a nurse. So she'd kind of come in and cuddle the, Mm -hmm. you know, the the, the faux babies, if you will, Mm -hmm. that you had. And it's just it's comforting. That gives her something
1: to do and feel purposeful again, right? Exactly. We had a woman in the um in the beginning, and she was so great. She was one of our very first participants here at Town Square, and she used to be in accounting. And we were so excited when we opened up the center, and we had our first guests come in. And she wanted to go home. Honestly, she wanted us to call her son. She wanted to leave, and which was so we were so surprised because she loved it when she first got here. So the reason I tell this story, though, is because that is common. Some people will come in and they're, you know, even though if they toured, they said, great, I'll go. They come and then they think that they're going to be left here permanently. They are mad at their family. They think they're being, um, you know, dumped somewhere. But if we can tap into what, what gave them purpose when they were younger, it will just turn things around. So this example, in this example, this woman came in and, you know, we thought she was going to love it just like she did at the tour. And then she wanted to go home. So we read her biography, which we get a biography on all of our, our participants, which is basically a document the family fills out on what they used to do when they were working or when they were younger. Uh, what are their likes, what are their dislikes. So we grabbed that, recalled that she used to be in accounting, and we set up an accounting activity with some receipts for her. So she went into City Hall by herself and she organized all the receipts. And then came out and gave them to the, the program director here and then said something to the effect of, OK, well, when I do this tomorrow, I want you to make sure you have the date in the right hand corner. You know, something to that effect. And she came back the next day dressed up in nice, you know, nicer clothes as if she was going to work. She brought donuts for her co-workers. She felt that this was where she worked and where she was contributing. So she came in, and she would sometimes participate in the group activities. But if she didn't want to do that, we would put her in her office, which was City Hall, and she would do these accounting projects. And she loved it. She ended up having her 70th birthday here with all of her friends. She was like the star of, of town square. She was like the matriarch of town, town square. It was It was great. And I tell that story, though, because it's really common for people not to want to be here. Because they don't, they, again, like I said, they they think their family's dumping them or they're never going to come pick them up. Right, but and, we and can, somehow they're we can not connecting. Yeah. Yes, and we can create purpose and enjoyment for for our participants, it turns things around and it ends up being a really positive experience.
0: Well, and what I love about that, so, you know, as a gerontologist, we talk a lot about, you know, whether it's family caregivers or just adults in general, you know, finding that purpose, that passion in life and really mastering something and ac- feeling like you're accomplishing something. And that doesn't change because you have dementia and you're really tapping into that. I love, you know, we often talk about so often a lot of our long-term care services are focused on the physical health, but we don't think about the person, right? Right. And you're really delving into who this person was, what they did in the past that, you know, made them feel valuable or or whatever it is, which is really, really wonderful. I wanted to get into, I know you've done some research. Is there any benefits other than what we've talked about that you're seeing out of the research that you've done whether it's for the adult with dementia or, or again for the family caregiver to kind of relieve the stress and all those things what are the things that you're seeing from some of that research
1: that's that's pretty much that pretty much summarizes it i mean what we're what we're finding is it's a huge relief for the family huge relief for the family we come we have people come in here day one they're bickering with each other they disagree on the type of care that their mom or dad, or whoever the participant is, the type of care that they need, they disagree on the concept of daycare versus home care, some are in denial that they even have their loved one has this diagnosis. So there's a lot of layers to the emotion when people come in here. And we watch after we were able to give them a tour, explain our services and what we can do to help. We just watch that stress just lift. And then after the enrollment process is done and their loved one starts attending and they realize that they have this time to themselves to go to the doctor themselves or go to lunch or go to work or or nap, you know, whatever it is that they need that time to do is they they are just so relieved and also with the peace of mind knowing that their loved one is here and safe and being looked after by people that understand the disease is just huge so that's one of the biggest effects secondly as i mentioned the sleep the mood and the quality of life is is massive really it's massive they they leave having had a great day they sleep better and that's really the rippling effect for the family as well
0: yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things when I've attended either support groups for people with who have Alzheimer's and their families or talk to individuals. It's sometimes that wandering, that restlessness at night. Mm-hmm. So the caregiver is exhausted. They're needing to get good sleep. And all of a sudden it's two or 3 a.m. and their loved mm-hmm. one is, you know, out the mm-hmm. front door walking uh, down the street. Yeah. 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 So this really can help with that. Now, tell me a little bit about the, is it, private pay. Tell us how the adult daycare system works, if you will. And what should our listeners know in terms of what are some of the costs or you know how how that gets covered?
1: So our payer source is either private pay, which as a nonprofit, we have just recently raised our rates for the first time in eight years. We try really, really hard to make everything as affordable as we possibly can. So there's there's a private pay rate, which is about $13 an hour. We also accept long-term care insurance. So if someone does have a long-term care policy with an adult day care benefit in it, we would accept that as a form of payment. We have a contract with the VA. So if someone is a veteran and they utilize the adult day health care benefit within the VA system, which oftentimes veterans don't realize that they have that benefit, which we really encourage them when they come in, they think they need to pay out of pocket. But we say, oh, you were a veteran here. Let me put you in touch with the social worker at the VA. And then there's a small copay assigned by the VA. We don't have anything to do with that, but that's a big contract that we have. We also have contracts with PACE programs. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but- Yeah, tell our audience what those are. Yeah, so a PACE program is for individuals on Medi-Cal, which is the California state version of Medicaid, okay, versus it's not Medicare, it's Medicaid. So it's Medi-Cal in California. And if people qualify for Medi-Cal, they can enroll in a PACE program, which is, it's an all-inclusive program for the elderly where you you would have to go through those doctors. Their doctors use the PACE doctors, which are great. The physicians are great. So if they enroll in the PACE program and they're, they're covered under those plans, we have an alternative care site agreement with these PACE programs. So if the social worker there agrees that this participant would be best served being in our center, they refer them back and then PACE covers our fees. So it's a really excellent way that we can serve the Medi-Cal population through these PACE programs.
0: And I think that's really great because a lot of people often think that Medicaid or Medi-Cal in California, that that means you have to, Put your loved one maybe in memory care, right? They have to go to a facility to have that covered. And what PACE is trying to do is keep loved ones at home, but also give them the services that they need to do that, right? Right. And
1: they they have a day center at these PACE facilities. They have day centers. They're They're able to care for people with dementia, but typically when someone needs a higher level of care, very specific to dementia, they'll send them to us. And that's kind of the beauty of it because it helps them serve their client's through this alternative care site agreement, sometimes they'll start them out at their own day center. But then as they they watch them and as the person progresses, they say, oh, you know, I think it, they'll be better served to go over to one of the Glenner centers. So that's, right. how, we do, that's how we do that. Well, and the
0: benefit, as you mentioned too, is, you know, just to remind people that it's not like you drop your loved one off and they're just let loose in this, you know, massive warehouse town square. Exactly, You do have all of the, you know, you have your professionals who are part of the town square, but they're also looking out for the safety and, you know, the social interactions of the people that are there. Um, can you give us a range of costs? And then I want to make a comment to those of you who are listening, you know, very often we have maybe siblings who live out of, you know, across the country and you're the one taking care of mom or dad and the siblings say, you know, well, what can I do to help? This is a great way to help, by the way, is to yes. maybe, you know, help out with some of the services and the, the payments that are needed to do this because it's just so, it's so great, but give us a sense of what we're looking at cost-wise.
1: So our current private pay rate is $100 a day. People don't have to come every, every day. If they did, it's you know $500 for the week. Right. A typical schedule is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. So it's $100 a day for a full day. At two of our centers, we have RNs on staff because we are licensed as an adult day healthcare center, whereas our Hillcrest Center is an adult day program. We have med techs, but not, not an RN on staff. But Town Square, that we're primarily speaking of here, is an adult day healthcare center. We do have an RN. So that $100 includes lunch and the supervision of an RN and medication management, which really, really is very reasonable in the scope of adult, or I'm sorry, senior care. You know, home yeah. care agencies are amazing. Assisted livings are amazing. But they are going to cost a lot more than $100 a day. Absolutely. So that's private pay. And then if you are half day, it's $70. So that's a four-hour stay. Sure. If they do enroll in B, uh, VA, then it's typically about a $15 copay assigned by the VA. And so it's $15 a day every time they come. Right. And I
0: know there are some nonprofits and organizations out there that sometimes also do like scholarships where you can apply. And mm-hmm. if you meet their criteria, whatever, then they can give you a stipend or they can help out with some of those, those costs that are involved, which is really great. So mm-hmm. you want to always check in you know, with the different nonprofits that might be related to dementia and alzheimers we
1: we also have a um we do have a financial aid program for individuals that are enrolled and if they they enroll and they qualify they'll get you know a couple of days for free Right. So that's our way of, you know, assisting those families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if anyone is interested in donating to a nonprofit, it is the season. Yes, <laughs> it's the season It's getting to the end of the year. So if anybody is interested in, in donating to an amazing nonprofit, we are, we are here. And because we charge so little really for our services, we do rely a lot on donations and grants. Yeah,
0: which is that you're right. We need to do a shout out to, you know, fund you. So yes,
1: please. <laughs> friends,
0: friends and family in the community who know. know someone with dementia and want to help out. This is a great way to do that. This, this is going to be our November episode. We're, we're in that giving <laughs> season. You're absolutely right. Now, one of the things I love is that, of course, Town Square started in San Diego. Very proud of that since I'm a, Cal- a Southern Californian as well. Yes. You're growing. You're franchising. So tell us. I mean, you're starting to pop up now across the country.
1: Yeah, so gosh, we were so excited to be able to do this. So we we took our concept. So this one here in Chula Vista is uh, the prototype, if you will, for lack of a better uh, term. You know, it was the very first one founded by the Glenner Centers, but we have franchised the concept. So we teamed up with another company that is um, is helping us to franchise this. There are seven open across the country right now, owned and operated franchise locations, and then there's another ten in the works. So if you see a town square across the country, it is a franchised location, but it is the same Reminiscence Therapy Adult Day Center. Uh, So we're really proud of that fact that we were able to do that. That's huge.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I know that very often the franchisees will kind of take something that's local, particularly for the residents who may have been living in that particular city or town or whatever for a long time, and they'll do something local. I did notice you sent me a picture I wanted to ask you about. It was with a veteran. Mm-hmm. And then there were younger veterans, but they looked like they had on different suits. Were they were they old fashioned army suits
1: or navy suits? I know San Diego is big on navy. Um I don't know if they were old fashioned but we have Veterans Day celebrations here and so we'll have some some military well we'll have younger military come in with our veterans who very well may have been wearing one of their older you know uniforms from back in the day um, I think you're thinking of the the photo in the um, pub maybe by a pool table Yes, yes. yeah that's yes. The one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah that was one of our Veterans Day celebrations and so we'll have a uh, local military come in and we'll do ceremonies for our existing participants
0: and I love that. And that's, again, something for our listeners to, you know, again, this is, we're talking about Alzheimer's in November and caregiving in November, but also Veterans Day. Yes. Um, so, you know, tap into some of those activities for your loved one. They're so great. Lisa, is there anything I missed asking you? I'm just checking my questions I sent to you, but was there anything
1: else we didn't cover that's important that our listeners should know? I think that the overarching message really is, you know, if someone is caring for someone with dementia, entertain daycare as a possibility. We went through this in our family. My mom had Alzheimer's and passed away in 2013. And honestly, we never thought of the concept of daycare. I, I actually didn't even know that that was a thing. I thought it was either home care or an assisted living nursing home type type facility for her. Mm-hmm. So if you are in the San Diego area, certainly look us up and we can explain what we do. But if you're somewhere else in the country, research adult day centers. They really can be a godsend. They're really useful for kind of that first step in professional care. Most people that come to us have never done any professional care at all. They're really new to the whole concept. They really don't want anyone looking after their loved one, but they're burnt out. They're really, really burnt out. And that would be the second piece of my advice to families is don't wait until there's a crisis. Because some families will come to us after something bad has happened. Someone's wandered and gotten lost or someone's fallen and they wait until it's crisis mode. And then they and then sometimes even when they wait till crisis mode, that person is a little too advanced for a daycare center. Mm -hmm. Um, So they kind of miss that window. So don't be afraid to hire professional care. There is nothing to feel guilty about. It's actually a gift, really, to your loved one. It's a gift to your loved one. It's a gift to your family. It's a gift to your friends and kids and everyone else so that you can spend time with them and honestly having having some professional support will make you a way better caregiver and the caregiving process doesn't just go on for six weeks or a year this can go on for years and years and years so it is really important whether it's adult day services with the Glenner Center or somewhere else just please you know don't overlook that as an option
0: yeah and to your point I think the latest National statistics are that the average, A length of time for someone caring for someone with Alzheimer's or another dementia is nine years on average. And we know know. it can be a lot longer than that as well. I know. And to to your point, again, I think, you know, again, we think about the safety, the physical health, making sure they're getting their meals and all that. But this is also social health. This to me Mm -hmm. is both the, it's the emotional side. It's the social side. It really brings everything together that I think is really important for a loved one. So I just, you know, as you know, I'm a big fan. I I love what you guys do. (laughs) Thank you.
1: And yeah, you know, there's really only so much that one family caregiver can do. You know, they're only one person trying to manage their own life. And like you said, the food and the meals and the shopping and, and all of that. And then to do this emotional support that is exhausting for someone that's not trained in caring in caring for someone with dementia there's really an art to it there's ways to speak to a person with dementia there's things to say and not to say that the average person really doesn't know there's ways to there's ways to set a table so that at dinner time that will encourage their loved one to eat there's ways to help get them in the shower not that we are doing that service here we don't have showers but we can support The person in in those uh, decisions at home, because when someone enrolls, enrolls at Glenner, they also have another service called Glenner Care, which is really an extension of our service here. And what that is, is families that are at home. So on the days that their loved one is not attending Glenner. Let's say, for example, like I mentioned, they can't get their loved one in the shower or they won't eat. They have tried everything they won't eat. So they call our team of social workers. And again, it's included in the price of enrollment at any of our centers. They call on the social workers and the social worker will walk them through what to do. And sometimes it might be a situation where they need to contact an outside, another outside nonprofit or facility or or something, or it might be something that we can help with. But it's kind of a, it's a support system. It's not a, it's not a 911. It's not a medical service, but you know, there's a lot of things that happen when you're carrying for someone with dementia that a doctor really can't help with. I was going to say a doctor probably may not have the answers to those. They don't. I mean, a doctor can't help you really with, I mean, I mean, a neurologist can help with some of the behaviors, obviously, but not some of the little things, the dressing and the eating and the showering and, and those things. There's really kind of tips and tricks that our social work team can help with.
0: Yeah. One of the things I came across when I was doing research for my new book is that particularly for dementia adults, Eating off of a blue or a red plate actually stimulates them mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to finish their that meal or orange at least eat. Colors orange, yellow. Which mm-hmm. again, if you call your neurologist, I'm not sure he would really be or she would really. Be <laughs> yeah, able they're, to. they're
1: diagnosing, they're doing testing, they're focused on medications and things like that, not those yeah. little behaviors. So, and yeah. that's the thing that you know you'll get a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, and then you leave the office, and then what? Yeah, and then what exactly. for nine or ten years?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it's nice to know and have that comfort that you you guys are there for those families and particularly for the family caregiver. You know, we mm-hmm. often forget the family caregiver has the need for the education, the support and all of that. So tell us where our listeners can find uh, Glenner Centers and Town Square, um, and then I'll do another a national shout out after you're done with that.
1: Okay. So our website is glenner.org, G-L-E-N-N-E-R.org. And all the information on our locations, our caregiver support groups, which we haven't even touched on, we do those as well. We have a, a education, professional education program. If if someone is in the industry and needs training, we have that. So all that information is on our website. Great. And our locations are in Encinitas, California, Hillcrest, which is downtown San Diego, and then here in Chula Vista. So anyone local to San Diego can find us here.
0: We're going to have that up on our episode guide page. So make a a link to it so people can find you easily. And thank you for the photos. We're going to post some of those wonderful photos that you sent us. Good. Thank you. Yeah, of the, of the the people who are in the, the day centers that you're carrying. And then from a national perspective, I'll just tell the listeners that probably your best resource is going to be to go to eldercare.gov, which is the area agencies on aging in your local area. They have a listing of all kinds of services, but they're going to also be able to maybe give you some ideas about the adult day centers that might be in your area across the country. So I'll just do that shout out or look for the town squares because they're popping up or look for
1: the town squares, which (laughs) I I try my best to keep them up to date on the website. But if you go to our website, there is a whole separate page for town square. Um, There's photos and videos about town square. There's kind of a two minute overview video. So if people want to see what it looks like inside. And some other participant photos.
0: Can they find the different town squares across the country
1: on that yes. page? Okay, yeah. good. So there's a tab for locations. So they go they can go there, scroll down, and there's some coming soon and some are existing. So like I said, I, I try to keep up with those as best as possible. There is an email on there to, to contact if they want to know, you know, if they want to become a franchise owner. That's another option. If somebody wants sure. to do this themselves. Yep. They can just email from our website and it'll take them to the franchise team.
0: Yeah. Encore career folks that are listening out there. I know we have <laughs> we have some listeners who are looking for Encore Careers and all of that. So, or even volunteers too that can help out and do different things. And as we said, it's also National Giving Month. So don't forget to support things like Glenner Centers because they're doing such wonderful work. Um, Lisa, it's just been a joy talking to you. Thank you so much
1: for coming thank on you. our podcast. Yeah, so great to see you again. Thank you for thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Absolutely.
0: Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Wasn't that interview with Lisa fantastic? I have been in love with these town square dementia villages since I first heard of the concept. And one of the things we didn't talk about in the interview, so I'll just tell you really quickly behind the scenes when I went and visited, Lisa actually worked with designers from Hollywood sets. You know, being in San Diego here in Southern California, we're not not, not too far from Hollywood, but she worked with people who do a lot of props and things on sets. So for instance, fire hydrants, which as we know are made of metal and can really stub your toe if you happen to you know fall into one or or hit one with your foot and we know that a lot of people with dementia and alzheimer's have balance issues so they wanted to make obviously the town square as authentic as as you know they could but also safe so she worked with these hollywood prop folks and they have more of these rubberized fire hydrants so if you did happen to kind of bump into one hit one with your toe you're not going to get hurt those are some of the little magical things i think that were done in this town square that i absolutely just love. And this is why, again, in my article, I called it Disneyland for dementia, because it really reminds me of Disneyland, where you get immersed in these uh, wonderful environments. You feel like you're another place, another time, everything from the aromatherapy, the scenery, it's all part of that multi-sensory thing going on in the brain, which is you know, a big part of what my new book Me Time Monday is all about, really talking about neuroscience and our five senses and how that helps us to feel calm and safe and and soothing and comforting and, and all of those wonderful things. And that's really what, what this is all about. So I, I can't say enough, and I'm so excited that they're franchising now across the country country because they don't, you know, they started in San Diego near me, but now they can be seen all over the country, which is really, really terrific. So in caregiver wellness news, which I'm going to dive into really quickly, I I mentioned earlier, the Caregiver Action Network, which is one of the largest uh, national nonprofit organizations dedicated to family caregivers, been around for a long time, shout out to Lisa Winstall, we're going to have her on the, the program, hopefully sometime soon. But they do a wonderful campaign during November National Family caregiver month and this year's theme is called connect caregivers. And I think it's because of the isolation and the loneliness that we can so often feel when we become family caregivers. So, you're going to want to check that out. We're going to have a link on the episode guide page. Also, I just want to do a shout out because the Caregiver Action Network was recently tapped as one of the top support groups in the country. Now, they aren't disease specific, you know, because there's a lot of different organizations like the Alzheimer's Association, MS Society, American Cancer Society that have their own support groups for family caregivers they are more generic but you know it's a great place for caregivers again to to join to not feel alone to learn from others and to really kind of get involved with overcoming i think some of the sadness the loneliness that can come with caregiving so you want to check that out caregiver action network really great organization i also mentioned earlier about light therapy so there's a great study that came out it was done by researchers in australia the uk and also in boston and what they are finding is that having that light in our lives during the daytime actually reduces depression by 20%. Now, this is not just for people with Alzheimer's, although it it really helps people with dementia. It can be someone who has PTSD, who has ADHD, who maybe even has bipolar disorder. So a lot of the mental health issues and things that we see are helped by what we basically call sunshine. And this is one of the reasons why in my book, I write about the sunshine diet. It's not really something you're eating. It's something you're more doing, but getting out and being in sunlight 20 minutes a day. Now, we have di- daylight savings coming up. That means less sunlight, right? And also we're going into the fall and winter months, again, less sunlight. So one of the great things that I'm seeing done, particularly again in the dementia community, is the use of light therapy lamps, which can give you that same kind of feeling. It really, ha- what it does is it really interacts with your circadian rhythms. And it goes back to that ancient brain that I talk about in my book when we were out on the African savannah and we had light Light and dark cycles that really kept us in balance in terms of our health. Well, with someone with Alzheimer's or dementia, their circadian rhythms are out of balance. And so this is why we want to help try to breathe that equilibrium back. And you can do that with light therapy. So just 20 minutes a day of light therapy is helping people with dementia sleep better through the night, helping them not get up at 2 or 3 or 4 a.m. and feel anxious and feel energized and want to wander or whatever they want to do. It helps keep them in that sleep pattern. So it's really something you may want to check out. Again, it's also, you know, it's, it's good for all of us who might be feeling a little slightly depressed or something we call seasonal affective disorder, which is something we get when there's not a lot of sunshine. So it's used a lot by people who live, for instance, in Alaska, where there's less sunshine uh, during certain months, and also in Portland, Oregon, where there's lots of rainy days. So it can really, really be helpful. The other thing is that it also helps to have night lights that aren't emitting that blue Light. I talk a lot about this in my book. You want to have more of that red, orangey, amber. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in dementia-friendly design and well-home design news and also the webinar I promised for you guys. So I'm not not going to go into it now. I'll, I'll do a lot of details on it when I do that webinar, but you may want to check that out. And that's something else, you know, that we definitely want to think about. The other thing that we know is that Having that sunshine, having that light also helps us with that feeling of loneliness. And we know that feeling chronically lonely increases our risk for dementia and Alzheimer's later in life by 40%. So, again, getting outside if you can when it's sunny, using maybe light therapy lamps or whatever is just really important overall for our wellness and for our health. And as I mentioned, a lot of this is in my book. I do a deep dive on a lot of the research, but also a lot of the good tips and solutions, I think that will help us overcome some of these things that really, they don't cost a lot. They don't take a whole lot of time, but boy, lots of benefits that we can get from being in nature and having those types of environments that make us feel more calm, you know, from all the stress in life. Then also, I, you know, I wanted to, also do a shout out about optimism because one of the things that it helps us do is also get that equilibrium so we have more resilience against some of these mental health effects and the loneliness factor is so huge right now the u.s surgeon general said one in two american adults are lonely we want to overcome that and so having more optimism in life helps and so one of the things to think about is how do you bring that balance back where you can find hope there was a study that was done that showed that depression long thought to be a contributing factor to things like cancer and alzheimer's is actually not contributing factor to cancers now that's you know depression before you're diagnosed We know that once we're diagnosed with a devastating disease, we can give in to those feelings of depression and hopelessness. And so it's really important, again, to try to find the optimism that you can, the hopeful therapies, clinical trials, whatever it happens to be, lifestyle changes, whatever it happens to be that gets you through becomes really important because that depression also impacts our immunity and our ability to fight colds and flus through the season, but also to heal ourselves. You know, if we're going through chemo therapy for cancer, or even just with brain health, we want to be able to have those healing um, feelings and emotions that are releasing the right chemicals in our body to make us feel better and help with all those things and help to avoid avoid things like Alzheimer's late in life. So overcoming loneliness, having more optimism, really, really good for our overall health. Now I want to go into, because, you know, let's get quickly to Lori LeBay, who is fantastic. Love her to death. Uh, she's become a great friend and colleague. And as I mentioned, she has a podcast called Alzheimer Speaks. You're going to want to check that out, if, particularly if you're caring for someone with Alzheimer's or dementia. And also she's out with a new book. She came out. Uh, so we both have books out this year. So that was kind of exciting. We decided to interview each other for our mutual podcast. So here is my interview with Lori LeBay of Alzheimer Speaks and also the author of Betty the Bald Headed Chicken. She's going to tell you all about that great interview with Lori is just a wonderful advocate and champion for family caregivers and for Alzheimer's. And I have to just do a little shout out because we were both going to the share care top 10 list of Alzheimer's influencers online. And online. Now I just have four, but one is number one. <laughs> And she's also been um, highlighted by Oprah as one of the, uh, you know, the Oprah heroes. And she's also gotten some accolades from Maria Shriver. Of course, we all know is very big in the dementia and Alzheimer's community. So, Lori, it is a great pleasure to finally have you on our podcast. And
2: welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) Well, the first question we always ask all of our guests is, where are we talking to you from today? I'm in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Wonderful. I know it well when I was doing some work there with United Healthcare. Everyone used to ask me, so are you related to the Fort Snelling
0: episode? <laughs> oh, too oh, funny. Gosh. But anyway, well, it is as I said, it's a real pleasure to have you on. You've been so wonderful having me on your podcast, but I want to start by not to really give the audience an overview of all the wonderful things that you do at Alzheimer Speaks, because it's way beyond just a podcast, but tell us all about the great things that you're working on.
2: Well, you know, I'm all about being inclusive on a global level and to, and, and by that, I mean, having the, the people diagnose their families, the researchers, and then all the businesses and anyone who has an opinion about dementia involved because I don't think we can make sustainable change without it. So I consider Alzheimer's Speaks kind of like a megaphone to raise those voices and to connect people to services, products, and tools. Because, Sherry, as you know, there are so many services, products, and tools out there that people don't know about. You know, there's not a way to really find them. So Um, You know, we've developed uh, Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory, and that was recently during COVID. But, you know, I have the the radio show, which is actually a podcast, but, you know, I started it back when people weren't using the term podcast. Um, We have Dementia Chats, where I facilitate a conversation with people living with dementia, and they lead the conversation, and they tell us what it's like. And those are great conversations for people diagnosed to listen to, but also for families, because a lot of times you can't always ask your loved one a question without, you know, getting a skewed response or or getting friction between you. So there's so many ways both professionals and families can learn from them. We have some quick, quick tips on there. Lessons that I've learned that are just short little videos. If people are interested in creating dementia-friendly communities, I was lucky enough to work with the Lutheran Home Association, and we launched the very first community in the U.S. Same with Memory Cafes. I do a lot of mentoring on that and teaching people about the Purple Angel Project, which is a free symbol that they can use. We've launched Dementia in the Arts, Which is a platform, and we're going to be changing that in 2024 and expanding that from being quarterly to every month. But where people living with dementia showcase their artwork and tell us what they get out of it, and which is amazing because they all say it decreases their symptoms and gives them comfort. Uh, We have a poetry and article section, we have a YouTube channel with all kinds of playlists, free tools. There's just so much there. And that's just under our our free educational section. And then, of course, I do speaking and training like you do um, and then help people with with marketing and branding. I just think it's critical to pull us all together and raise everyone's voice because none of us have all the answers and none of us ever will. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not busy at all, of course, (laughs) everything going on, but you're absolutely right. I think the
0: more that we can, you know, help each other and help talk to the family caregivers who often go into this disease, not knowing much. And and I'll talk to people who maybe their loved one has passed and they said, gosh, I wish I would have known about this. So you're right. We need to, you know, hopefully do a good job getting that communication out. I want to unpack a couple of, of programs you mentioned and have you tell our audience a little bit more about it. So the
2: dementia maps, can you kind of explain what that is? And is that something that our audience can tap into? Yes. And it's totally free. So we really listened very closely. This is something that's been close to my heart. And I've always had resources on my website, but Dave Weidrich, who has the Memory Cafe directory, and I partnered, and Dave's a tech whiz, and I'm kind of a visionary. And so we merged those two things together. And so you're never going to be asked for any personal information. You're not going to have any pop-ups. We wanted it to be a safe site. There's no moving parts because that gets confusing for people, especially when they're exhausted and looking. And you can just really peruse the site. We have 150 different categories that people can search. And we invite profit, nonprofit, government agencies, and those that don't even think of themselves as a resource. Many individuals diagnosed or Family members have started blogs, YouTube channels, they've written books, but they don't see the value that everyone else sees in them. So we want them to be part of this as well. And we wanted to be able to, you know, offer plans for for people to be part of this. Um, We have a free plan and then we have two paid ones, but we didn't want money being an obstacle because mm-hmm. just because someone doesn't have a budget or doesn't choose to spend it doesn't mean it's not a value to the end user. So everything is end user focused. And so the, the resource directory is just a part of this. though. then we also have a calendar of events. There's a glossary of terms. And then there are wonderful, wonderful articles on the blog. And one of the big things that I hear, and I'm sure you do too, uh, Sherry, from people all the time is... You know, I, I went to their site, but it's not where it used to be. So we were very adamant when we built the site to have set buckets so things are never going to move and also to be able to have multiple ways to search because we all learn different. We process things different. So um, we just tried to build a site that again, was was free, was accessible, We're open to feedback, you got ideas for us, we really want to listen to the consumer. And we want to pull, like I said, all the resources together. But we are approaching this differently. We're not buying lists and just putting people in. We want to know and vet everyone who's in there. And we want to make sure that people are actually going to respond. Because I don't know about you, but I've gone to many sites where I've put in a request and I've never heard anything back.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of that out there. Well, what I love, too, is that, you know, there are really great resources out there. We know about the Alzheimer's Association and uh, Us Against Alzheimer's and some other groups and stuff. But sometimes they don't have a comprehensive list. It's not everything you're looking for. And they're limited on maybe some of the resources. That's what I love. You've really pulled so much of it together and made it easy for people, kind of like more of a one-stop shop. Now, you mentioned the memory cafes, and I have always thought this is such a fascinating, wonderful idea. Tell us a little bit more about that. And I know that you started it, but it's now grown, right? So they're in a lot of different local communities. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: So the, the concept is really from overseas. So I don't want to take any credit away. It's kind of like the, the dementia friendly um, communities and businesses that didn't start here in the U.S., but they are so gracious overseas. They're like, just take it and they will come. And so what I loved about the Memory Cafe was it brought the individual diagnosed and their loved one together. So often we split them up. And for a long, long time, we only had groups that were focused for the caregiver. The person diagnosed didn't really have any support. And what people weren't realizing was that their friends and family, which is very common, fall away. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And so their core peer group and support group has disappeared. And what they want more than anything is to belong is to feel at home. And I don't know if you saw this clip by Brown, but it was just amazing. And she was talking about her research and it just really slapped me in the face. Like she said, it did her. She said, you know, we always want to fit in. And she said, but what she found in her research is really we don't want to fit in. Fitting in is work and being somebody who we're not. What we really truly are all looking for is to belong. So these people can show up, be their authentic selves. No one has to be embarrassed or ashamed. And they they laugh and they cry together. They end up going out for lunch and dinner and walks. They call each other at three in the morning because they know someone else is going to be up, maybe, if they're struggling. And there's just this instant connection that is just it's it's such an honor to facilitate these groups and they're. The beauty of them is there's so many different types. In fact, I just did a panel interview with a whole bunch of memory cafes on what they do. And many of them are entertainment or activity focused. Some of them will do something together and they split them apart. Um, The one that I do now, we used to have three. We're down to one. We just talk because that's what the group wants. They're like, I can get these other things by going to other events. Just tell us where those are. But they love their friendships and and they just blossom.
0: It's interesting. I, I just recently did a TV interview and we were talking about what are the secrets to living longer? And it's those quality relationships. You're right. It's being engaged, feeling like you're part of a, a tribe or a group or whatever. And what I love is that you really also take away the stigma Of the disease, you know, because a lot of people still don't know about Alzheimer's, a lot of the family caregivers, as well as those with the disease, feel there's still a little bit of a stigma. And this really takes that away and just brings the joy into the activities and things. So
2: we're all dealing with stuff, you know, and so this is just another one of those things. And I mean, gosh, for anyone who's got any kind of medical diagnosis, they shouldn't be blamed for it. I mean, right? You're right? <laughs> we all <don't> have stuff. <laughs> we do. Even just yeah, emotional
0: health and all these other things we talk about. It's like man, we all we all have stuff going on. Yeah, you know, I want to get to you know. I kind of did this a little bit maybe backwards, but I really want you to share your personal story, Lori, because it's so poignant and beautiful. And you were a caregiver for a very, very long time with your mom. So tell us a little bit about that, because then I think that's going to help us segue into the big news of this interview is, is your new
2: book. But please tell us about that, that journey with your mom. So my mom lived with dementia for 30 years. Yep. You heard it right, folks. 30 years. People are like, oh, no, it can't be that long. But there's a lot of people out there right now that I know are living 15 and 20 years, and they're still... Maneuvering Zoom, they're leading meetings, they're speaking, they're doing all kinds of things. So, this is really going to be the norm for my mom. She's been gone since 2014. It wasn't the norm in the first 10 years, as a matter of fact, she was told it was her hormones. Of which she kept telling her doctors, "This ain't my girlfriend's hormones." We talk about this stuff. This is different. But you know, he wasn't educated. Most weren't back then, and even today, it's still very common for people to not get properly diagnosed. And so, we really urge people to to get in to a neurologist that specializes in dementia, because you know this journey. Uh, So many people think as soon as they get diagnosed, it's the end. It's the end of the season, you know, start packing up. You're leaving this world because that's what we're told at the doctor's office. As we walk out, you know, get your affairs in order. And if we would have done that as a family, just think of the years we would have been like looking at our watch going, Hey, you know, what's going on here And, and and struggling. And, and so there was so much joy my mom's disease, I tell people, was the biggest gift I'll ever receive in my entire life because it taught me to live better, to look at things in a new light. And you know, Sherry, like you, I, I've always thought that I'm a good person at heart, but I think it's made me a better one. Mm. To not be as judgmental, to really appreciate the little tiny things. Like one of the one of the lessons and one of the beliefs I have about my mom living as long with this disease is I truly think she stayed to teach me, to teach others, to frame this disease. Um, Because again, there are so many gifts. And uh, can I share one like little story? I just want to say,
0: wow, because now I know why you're one of Oprah's heroes, because that was a really, that's a great, powerful statement. Right. You know, she stuck around to help you and teach you, which is really wonderful.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I I teach people is I I call it tears, fears and joy. And I always ask my audiences, what do you want? Well, everyone with joy, I want joy. Then we have to look for joy. We have to create it. And so our tears are normal. They're part of the grieving process. And as you know, with dementia, there's a lot of ambiguous loss. It just, it's constant and it drops little bombs right and left and you never know what you're going to miss and for how long it's going to be gone. Cause it could come back too. And it's normal to grieve. But what I found was I had to reframe that grief and realize that how lucky am I to hurt this bad because I love so deeply. Yeah. Yeah that's a gift. That's a gift to hurt that much and to miss somebody that much. And so many people never experience that. And and so that helped kind of pull me out of the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece was, you know, we project into the future. And if you're like me and type a, you're doing plans a through Z of how you're going to avoid everything you've heard of that could happen. And when we're living in the future, or we're living in the past, we are missing the only time that we can identify joy or create it, which is in the present moment. And so we have to let go of both of those sides and really relish in what we have and in what is there. And although a person has changed, so have we, you know? Yes. Yes. It's a journey, right? This
0: This whole process of life is a journey. What I love, you said two things that really really resonate with me and and i know we're going to talk about my book on your show later but you know one was that the context of happiness you really have to have the hurts fears you have to have those things that we try to avoid right we we just absolutely don't want to have any negativity or any bad things happen in our lives but somebody once told me you won't know what a good relationship is until you've had some bad ones i thought that was really, really brilliant But the other thing is just, yeah, just, just, you know, experiencing the present. I think our lives are so fast and we are multitasking and juggling and all these kinds of things that we forget to just stop and breathe and enjoy those moments. So beautiful thoughts. Thank you so much. Well, I want to get to the big news, which is, and by the way, congratulations on your book. And it is called Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care. And it, by the way, folks, it is a beautifully designed book, Lori. I mean, it, the, the graphics in it are gorgeous. It, it
2: looks a little bit maybe like it might be a children's book, but I want you to tell us about the book and also tell us it's not just for kids, right? Exactly. Well, the, the concept for the book came to me in a dream, and I'm old enough to know that get up and write it down or you're not getting any sleep. And so I've used this story as a keynote for years and years and years. And my audiences have always requested, make it a book, make it a book. I want to share it with my grandkids. And I had like rubber chickens and Mardi Gras beads with, with bald chickens on them and stuff. And we would just have a lot of fun with that. But I'm so glad that there were delays in getting it published. You know, it, this wasn't the original um, illustrator and this just brought out my mom. I mean, she, you know, put on her jewelry on the chicken and and just did different things It just kind of said, okay, that's my mom now. And the other thing that happened was that the world has changed so much just in the last 10 years. Mm. And As much as I thought this book was written, and I use it all the time for dementia training, it is not specific to dementia. So you can use it for kids and bullying in school. You can use it for divorce, any type of chronic illness, addiction, um, any situation. Because really, it's all about what Brain Brown said, is we want to fit. We we don't want to fit in. We want to belong. And so with Betty, she, you know, loses some feathers and she is ostracized from her family and friends and she is devastated. People pull away, they uninvite her, they don't give eye contact, they, you know, kind of give her the, the, the you know, swirling finger of stay away from us, you know, and, and pushing away literally. And we've all been there. We've all had multiple times in our life like you said it's a journey where we don't fit in and every single person in this world knows how crappy that feels Mm -hmm. you know it is it's devastating and then you know she goes off and she she cries and she ends up finding another group and Mm -hmm. this group you know just embraces her they don't even ask her what's wrong that's it's just about getting betty better And they accept her and they love her. And she ends up staying there. And at the end, she ends up getting sick later on down the road. And then one of the animals in this caring corral, which is the neighborhood she found, has to run up to the barnyard and tell everybody, you've got one last choice. Mm -hmm. Betty is dying. What are you going to do? Are you going to celebrate all of Betty and who she's been in your life? Are you going to continue to pity her and push her away? And the um, the whole point of the story to me is not who have you been, but who do you want to be? And mm-hmm. we've all we've all been Betty. We've all been a barnyard animal that's walked away from somebody in need, and and yet and sometimes that's very justified we don't have it in us to take care of someone else but sometimes we beat ourselves up and say that's who we've become forever and Mm. we don't step back into the caring corral and like with your listeners i know they're all part of the caring corral because they want to learn they want to be part they want to care better they want to care for themselves better and others And they want to communicate to other people how to care for them, and so we have a list of questions in the back that is for. And it's funny because you said it's a kids' book, and that's kind of how it is listed. And I think adults, uh, both parents, teachers, and and grandparents, counselors, everybody goes in thinking we're going to teach the kids, but they look at life very differently. And I think they teach us a lot. And so we've had fabulous stories come back from all ages. Um, I had one where she said, I read this book to my, I want to say it was four and seven-year-old grandsons. And when we got to the questions, we asked, have you ever felt like Betty? And the seven-year-old said, yeah, at school, when we go out to recess and I can't find my friends. And she said, he was so significantly sad and he had never told his teacher he had never told his parents but this book just opened it up to allow him to feel and mm-hmm. he didn't have to feel ashamed that he was sad cuz we tell boys don't cry and even our girls these days right. and they they could talk with them and teach him like why don't you get together with your friends and you all have a meeting place so if one person's missing you know where to find them i had another one who I saw on Facebook wrote, this is my two and a half year old granddaughter's favorite naptime book. She wants to be read Betty. And then I've had like 86, an 86 year old woman write and say, this had me in tears thinking about all the times I have been Betty and all of the times I've probably treated somebody more poorly than I, than I wish I would have. And right. it made me really look inside. And made me think, how do I interact with people? Um, you know, because our, our power of one is so incredibly important. Smiling at somebody as you're walking can make their day.
1: Absolutely. To be and well, we, we have too-
2: forgotten that. We, we have.
0: And we, you know, we talk about empathy and we talk about kindness, but so do we really actually practice those things? And I, for me, I loved it because you're you're absolutely right. I I flashed back to an episode in high school, which I now know I was bullied. Uh, but you know, I just had a couple friends that kind of turned their backs and had to find new friends. And I think that's the hopeful part of this is finding your tribe, right? So often we try to get into a circle of people and it's just not working and it's not meshing or whatever. So that's maybe the sign to to find your tribe and then to have that empathy moving forward from how you felt, which I, I just love. I love the themes in the book. It's just really beautiful. And I love the fact that it's intergenerational so you can have grandkids and you know, grandpa and grandma and the grandkids reading it, which is really great. And I'm sure the reception has been wonderful. I know you've got all these great
2: reviews on Amazon. So way to go, girl. (laughs) Thank you. It's been fun, too, because people can use it in different ways. Like you could read it just yourself. You Mm -hmm. can read it to, you know, a young child. A young child can read it to somebody older. Um, You can do it in a group setting as well and have it be part of a support group, or it could be part of a a training program and just get people to think how, because because it disarms them because it's about animals. It's not about people. It's not pointing fingers at anybody. And it's just saying, you know, this is real world. This stuff happens. And you know, people get sad and people are happy and people feel comfortable and they, they, they feel unsafe. All of those things matter. And what kind of world do we want to live in?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. What kind of world do we want to create? And, and, you know, it is, it's just really a great, A great story. Lots of good lessons, I think, in there. And you're right. It goes way beyond dementia. (laughs) So, but um, is there anything, Lori? you talk so often to family caregivers of dementia. You have experts, of course, on your show. Is there anything that you feel is really important for our audience to know or any, you know, pearls of wisdom that you want to share with some of the family caregivers out there, particularly who might be caring for someone with Alzheimer's?
2: I think one of the biggest things that I'd like to tackle is the fear that they don't know who I am anymore. And what I found on my journey, which I found fascinating because I never expected this, but there were two camps of friends and all of them I thought were really good friends. One asked how my mom was doing because they really wanted to know. The other group asked how she was doing to give me permission to never go back to see her because they were so uncomfortable on how to help me. Mm -hmm. They would prefer for it just to end. And I, and what I want to tell people is, you know, as, as they progress, somebody might lose their words. That's really common. It depends on the type of dementia that they have. They might lose their ability to do things they've always done. But don't for one second think that they will lose their connection with you. It is always there. And if I can share another story, this kind of points it out. Sure. My mom was living in a nursing home and they ended up having to move her to the lowest functioning, you know, floor. That's not what they call it, but that's what the rest of us call it. We, right. we knew and, and I really didn't want her move there because she was still social But she needed the physical help of a two person transfer and safety reasons. And so I said, okay, I I get it. But I said, I really want her to, while she's there, I want you to integrate her so that she has at least one meal and one activity every day on her old floor, you know, and then kind of ease her off. And that worked beautifully. And I'll never forget the day as her progression went on. I went in to see her, and my mom in Minnesota. We we don't have a lot of days where it's just really cloudy, but for like three weeks it was just really cloudy. And this was a sunny, sunny day. And she's in a room with two beds, where you know you have the curtain that pulls uh, between the two beds. And her roommate was gone, and my mom. I could see through the curtain because the wind, the the blinds were open, and and uh, she was just laying in bed, and. I could just see her silhouette. And when I turned the corner and you have to picture, my mom is like 300 pounds and like 5'2". And so I turned the corner and here's my mom with her pants pulled down to her crotch, her shirt tucked under her boobs and her big belly just exposed. And she is laying on the bed like she's Garfield the cat just soaking up the sun and she's so comfortable. And she just has this beautiful smile on her face. And I didn't quite know what to say. And so I said, mom, do I have to pull out that bikini for you or what? And out of a kind of a dead, calm sleep that she was in, she woke up. She looked me square in the eye. She giggled and she said, oh, Lori, I don't think I should be wearing a bikini. And then she went right back to sleep. Now, what was amazing, Sherry, was my mom hadn't said my name in three years I sat on that bed for two hours bald like a baby and I just rubbed her tummy and as I sat there and rubbed her tummy I literally heard God talk to me and I know some people will think this is far-fetched but whatever I heard somebody talk to me and say Lori share this with the world let oh. them know connections are never, ever lost. Don't yep. be sad. Appreciate the gift you just got from her.
0: And I love I- that. And I do believe God talked to you. You know, <laughs> I think there's a lot of mystery that goes on up there, but I do think there are those moments where well, we feel like we've been called to, to do something that's, you know, important that you've learned and you've done it. You've shared with so many, Lori. I know that you have worldwide listeners on, on your podcast and radio show and all that. And you have so many other people involved in your program. So I, for one, you know, I, I'm very honored to be one of your friends, <laughs> to know you and all the great work that you're doing for people. So, well, tell our listeners where they can find out more information about you and Alzheimer's
2: Speaks and the programs and also the book. Where can they buy the book? So the book, Betty the Bald Chicken, they can get on Amazon, or they can go to our website, which is just very simple, alzheimerspeaks.com. There's a contact button. So, you know, they can fill out a form and reach out to me. They can go to our free educational resources, which is just one click. You go there, you'll see all these graphics. You can pop open all these different modalities to use. And like I tell people, share them, don't keep them to yourself. You know, I've been curating this information since 2009, you know, and it it doesn't get old, because someone's always entering this phase of the journey. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can help so many people by what I call being a giver of hope, Mm. just like click and share. You know, it takes seconds. It doesn't cost you any money, but you don't know in your own sphere who is dealing with an issue like this. Same with your audience. It's you, you just don't know. And we have to make it comfortable for people to reach out because there still is so much stigma. Everybody thinks they're supposed to do it on their own. And we are, we are humans. We are meant to work together and support one another. And, and we can we will never get the services people need if we don't invite them into the conversation and if we don't truly listen.
0: Right. Well, and you're absolutely right. I think, you know, I talk often that um, as family caregivers, we have to pay it forward, right? We have to take this knowledge and this information we've learned and, and push it forward, give it forward, share it forward, whatever you want to say, because that's how we help people you know, to, with all of the different challenges. But also, in as you, you know, shared with us so poignantly, the silver linings. I always feel like you can find some silver linings in caregiving, even though it's physically and emotionally can be really taxing. So, well, Lori, I can talk to you all day. It's just wonderful having you on the podcast. So I want to thank you so much for making time. And uh, it's just been really great. And congratulations again on the book and everything else you're doing.
2: Well, thank you, Sherry. And I can't wait for you to be on my show because um, I said my heart is so open to you and the work that you do. It's, I just feel like we're kindred spirits on a lot of levels. We are,
0: (laughs) that's for sure. It's great talking to you. And thank you again, Lori. Thank you. A great interview with Lori. She is so wonderful. And I'm so thrilled. I'm going to be on her podcast, Alzheimer's Speaks. You're going to want to check that out on November 7th and all her, her other wonderful guests that she has. We'll switch seats. She'll be the interviewer and I'll be the interviewee or the guest on her show. But I just, I, I really love Lori and what she's doing. And she's such a force in the Alzheimer's dementia caregiving space. I was really grateful that I had her on the podcast for this episode. So now let's go into Well Home Design. As I mentioned up front, I'm gonna give you guys a special gift. I'm really passionate about our home environments and really how do we make those environments as conducive as possible to our health and wellness. And how do we really care for people, for instance, who have dementia or Alzheimer's and keep them safe at home? Also, give them the home, whether it's reminiscence therapy that you heard from Lisa Tiversky and other things that really help them in that home environment. So this is going to be my webinar on dementia-friendly design. I'm going to throw in a few universal design, which are just basic aging rules and guidelines, if you will, for making your home that wonderful place we want to live in forever. But I'm going to really focus on the dementia for this particular one. So I'll have a link on the episode guide page. You can find it on our YouTube channel, but we'll have the link on the page so you can find that uh, real easily. And, and just so you know, I'm going to go into the five C's, what I call the five C's of dementia-friendly design. So that is curves, color, contrast, clutter-free, and comfort sources. And just to give you a little little snippet, polar psychology is really important when we have neurodegenerative diseases, but particularly someone who has Alzheimer's disease. And the reason why is because of how the brain kind of interprets and thinks about different colors and things become really important. And I'll just give you an insight. For instance, you don't want to use black rugs or really, really dark rugs at home with someone who has Alzheimer's or dementia. Why? Is because they will see that as a big, huge hole in the floor. They will avoid that rug at all costs. And in fact, some of the assisted living and memory care places out there will use dark rugs in front of the door when they don't want someone to come maybe outside of their room, but they want to keep the door open or whatever it is. So this is, this is one of those tips. The other thing is that if you're trying to encourage your loved one to eat, maybe they aren't eating their complete meal, um, You know, they're losing weight, it's making them weaker, maybe they're just forgetting to eat, you want to use red or blue plates, not the white that is traditional, right? And the silverware that we all think about, which is silver. You want to use color, but particularly those two colors have been found to increase appetite in people with dementia living at home. I think it's... Uh, don't quote me on this, it's in my book, uh, the actual number, but I think it's about 25 to 28% increased eating when you put it on a red or a blue plate. So those are just some of the tips you're going to learn in the webinar. Uh, and I'm really happy to share that with you guys. Those are the w- types of webinars I do for my employer clients and some of my other organizations and clients that I work with all the time. And this is just something I'm I'm going to gift to you guys for November National Family Caregiver Month. Also, you know, I talk a lot about the Snug Home. That's my new blog on this environmental home design to help boost our wellness. And I talk about cozy Reading nooks, and it's really important that we read. One of the things that's been found is that people who stop reading uh, non or uh, fiction novels, like historical novels, biographies, or something where they just have to follow a story, sometimes if you're older, that can be an early warning sign of Alzheimer's because they can't follow that story and that character, they keep forgetting what happened to them a few pages ago or when they read it last night. And so they'll start to stop reading those types of books. Now, my book is a nonfiction. You can jump around all over that book and find whatever chapters or you know pages and things you wanna read at that given time. But it's really important that we think about that when it comes to our loved ones and their reading habits. And also that we all have a sanctuary place where we can curl up with a good book. It's actually really great to aid in mental health and gives us creativity in solving problems, because we learn about these fictional characters, or we learn through a nonfiction book like mine, some things, some solutions that can help us make us feel resilient. We can get back at it and master our lives and control certain things that we don't have a lot of control over. So reading is really, you know, important. And that's why I was so thrilled because November National Author Day which we're celebrating, uh, to have on Marianne Shuko, who's somebody new that I just recently met, who co-founded All's Authors. And she's going to tell us now what All's Authors is all about and how it can really help you, whether you have dementia or Alzheimer's, or if you're a family caregiver of somebody with Alzheimer's. So here's my interview with Marianne Shuko. So I am really thrilled to have Marianne Shuko who is the founder of All's Authors on our podcast today. She is really wonderful. We've recently met and, and become colleagues and friends. And I just think what she's doing is so wonderful. I thought it was perfect to share for this particular episode where we're really focusing on Alzheimer's and caregiving and all those good things. So Marianne, welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. Hi, Sherry. Thanks so much for inviting me. Well, it's just really great to have you. and I want I want to launch right into having you explain A little bit about what All's Authors is and what you do and how you bring the community of, again, people with dementia, but also their family members together.
3: Okay, awesome. So All's Authors is the global community of authors writing about Alzheimer's and dementia from personal experience. Those are the key words to help others currently on that path. So our goal when we started, there were two of us, my co-founders, Vicki Tapia and Jean Lee. We wanted to have, start a venue where people could, caregivers could find quality resources for their dementia journeys and not have to spend a lot of time looking at things that maybe really didn't apply to them or just didn't interest them. Because we know that caregivers have very little free time and certainly don't have a lot of time to spend on the internet trying to figure it all out. If you go to Amazon or Google and you put in a search for say, you know, books about Karen from my mom with Alzheimer's, you're going to get a lot of stuff and a lot of it might not really be appropriate. So we decided we would start a blog back in 2016 and invite authors who had written books like ours cuz all three of us have written books about the dementia journey from our own personal experience we would invite other authors to have a guest blog on our blog and then we would promote all of that through social media so we right. did that for 1 month in June 2016 and at the time we dumbfounded we had no idea how are we going to find 20 authors to write blog posts for us because <laughs> We had no ba- no background or experience or anything in any of this, but we did. And at the end of the month, we had more still waiting. So we decided, why don't we just keep it going? Because we really liked what we were doing and we liked each other. So we said, let's keep going. We'll do a new author every week and we'll see what happens. And so here it is now. We're in 2023 and we have 350 authors and more than that in books Wow, that have all been carefully vetted. So Caregivers can be confident that somebody who has been on a dementia journey has evaluated this book and knows, you know, that it, it is, does make sense. It's going to be helpful. It's based in reality. But at the same time, that person is also an author and knows what to look for when it comes to quality in a book as well. So we feature primarily books. But we also feature blogs. There are many people who are out there blogging their journey. And that's excellent work and can be really helpful, especially for people who maybe don't read books or don't have time to sit down and read a book. That's fine. And we also feature podcasts. And we also feature film. So we are trying to, like, cover all the bases. And and the bottom line is that it is all storytelling storytelling from personal experience. So we do have people in our collaborative who are medical professionals in the field, but they too have been on their own personal dementia journey or they have committed their lives to working with these families and these individuals. So they have a place on our in in our collective. Yeah.
0: And I think I think you're right. The the power of story is so critical it's one of the things I was thinking about when I wrote my book and you know my book is different because it's not a memoir and it's not about so much my personal journey although I do have some stories I share but it's really about providing good information but doing it in the storytelling and and also the the grounding of science you know What are we really seeing out there in terms of the statistics, the surveys, the things that we know can help? So, And and what's really great is that when our episode goes live with this interview with you, it's November, which is National Family Caregiving Month, but it's also National Alzheimer's Month and it's National Family Stories Month. So you you hit all three boxes (laughs) for us.
3: (laughs) That's great. That's terrific.
0: Yeah. So, so, so you have all these wonderful authors and bloggers, and as you said, podcasts and and, and other things. If I'm just someone who I'm caring for someone who has Alzheimer's or another dementia, and I really want, I want to find, like you said, the resources and the comfort of this community, what am I going to get through Alls Authors when I go there? What, how do, what are the things that I can get involved with?
3: Our website is very well organized. It's all authors.com. That's A L Z authors. And when you enter, the first thing you're going to see is a video by the management team that explains what we're all about. And that only takes a couple minutes. And then it's the website is broken down into the different categories. So we have a section, all blog posts. So you can just peruse the blog posts and see if you find something that resonates with you that's a similar situation. Uh, or you can go to our, there's a search tab and then you, in that, search box you can put in exactly what you're looking for so say you're caring for your dad with Lewy body disease you can put those terms in and then the different blog posts that have that those words in them are going to pop up so you're not going to waste a lot of time looking through blog posts that are about caring for your mother because that's not your that's not your story so you could find um, through, you know, browsing the different blog posts. And, and that's what we do. We, we read and vet the books, but we invite the author to tell their story or the story behind their story in a blog post. So You get to know that person a little better and why they wrote what they wrote. And then you get all that other info, like how do I get this book? And, you know, where can I find them on the web or social media? But um, you can read and get a really good feel for this person and their story and whether or not you think it's going to help you. So um, you could do that. You can go through the search tab. One of the things I love about that is that so
0: often, and, you know, I've been in this space of family caregiving now for almost 20 years, and I, I continuously hear even now from family caregivers, I feel all alone. And I think what what your site mm-hmm. delivers for people is a sense of community and a sense that you aren't alone. You can read these other stories mm-hmm. that are really comforting or that guide you to to think about things maybe you didn't think about or didn't know about and i think that's that's a real comfort source so mm-hmm. when you set up front caregivers don't have time to read and that's that's how i feel too when i write books for caregivers it's like they have no time to read this but if you can write it in a way where they can get something quickly you know but that's really important that will help them keep going or give them the you know inspiration mm-hmm. or whatever it is i think it's really critical and you're certainly delivering on that for people
3: yeah our mission is to provide knowledge comfort and support and one of our slogans is you are not alone and you everybody <laughs> who has written has said yeah they just feel like i'm the only one nobody knows what i'm going through i have no one to talk to i don't know what to do i don't know where to go i mean it's just i always say confusion begets confusion somebody is confused Now everybody's confused about that right so um Yeah. So we made it easy for people to find what they're looking for. We also have a bookstore. You can go right into the bookstore and it's categorized by the different care situations. And then you can browse the covers of the books there. And if you see something that strikes you, you can click on the book cover. It will take you to the book's Amazon page. We are Amazon associate. So we do get a little kickback. If somebody buys the book, it's a few cents. That's not what we're there for, but it makes it a little easier to find something that's going to resonate with you. And also on the website, you'll find our podcast. So we are approaching our 100th episode coming out. In another week or so. Yeah, <laughs> we're great. real excited. And we just achieved over a hundred thousand downloads. So we're really excited about that. That is wonderful. I I, I want those stats. (laughs) (laughs) We interview our authors. We are very exclusive because I get people left and right asking me, can I be on the podcast? It's like, are you one of our authors? Right. uh, Well, we only interview people who are in our collaborative. Yeah. So we get into a deep dive with the authors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that gives, I think, again, it gives your, the people who come there to find information, know, like you said, you vet people. It's not just, you know, anybody Mm -hmm. can, you know, post anything. You really make sure that people know what they're talking about and they can share good information. Well, Marianne, Mm -hmm. this has been wonderful. Is there anything else you want to tell our audience that they should know? And then I want to have you tell us again
3: where they can find all's Mm -hmm. authors. One other thing we do is virtual presentations with our authors. Again, today we did a panel with four authors who are all living with dementia, and it was all sharing their stories on how to live well with dementia. That'll be coming out soon on the podcast and on our YouTube channel. And we also uh, can provide a custom caregiver collection to anyone who is interested in bringing an assortment of books to their care facility memory care, a support group, a a memory cafe, a medical school, nursing school, anything like that. We can help you with that. So, you know, you're getting good stuff and you can find us at alzauthors.com. And you can find us on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find our podcast on all the big podcast sites like Apple, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.
0: Wonderful. Well, Marianne, it's been really a delight having you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And now for our Me Time Monday Wellness Hack. This episode, we focus on November National Family Caregiver Month with the seven A's of Caregiving and the Seven Elements of Life Balance from my new book, Me Time Monday seven A's of caregiving from my new book start with accept. If you are in a caregiving role, your time flexibility has changed. Rather than abandoning self-care completely, you need to accept that while it may at first appear you have no time for self-care, that notion has to be replaced with, how do I find five to seven minutes for me today? Acceptance is the bridge to wellness. The second A is adapt. As a caregiver, you are already adapting. You have a disrupted schedule, new problems to solve, more time dealing with both the physical and emotional needs of your loved one, as well as your own emotions about having a loved one who needs more care. Plato famously said, our need will be the creator. This later became the idiom, necessity is the mother of invention. This book, Me Time Monday, will help you be creative in finding small ways to find your Me Time Monday. The third A, is out. Being able to accept the limits on your self-care needs without abandoning them altogether means you have to put your adaptive plan into action. The fourth A is ask. Sometimes an action plan may mean asking others for help. This helps you turn time poverty into time affluence. Whether it is grocery shopping, the car wash, picking up medications for a loved one, wherever you can recapture time, is how to think about your action plan for self-care. While a spouse, a friend, or even Instacart can help you do your grocery shopping, you just found 30 to 60 minutes to focus on you. Step A is assess. If it was a bad week and self-care evaporated, do not beat yourself up. There is always another Monday in the calendar to restart the pursuit of wellness. Assess what derailed you and look forward to finding another shot at wellness next week. Monday will become your friend because it is there week after week to encourage your efforts and guide your progress. The sixth day is abandon. You want to have moments when you live life with abandon and throw off all the constraints that hold you back from joy and laughter. You also want to ensure you do not abandon your self-care plan. What you will abandon is anxiety depression and stress and finally the seventh a is applaud when you become a caregiver you do not get a lot of accolades and a lot of thank yous this means you have to thank yourself finding little rewards and feel good moments where you understand that despite someone upsetting your equilibrium you were able to get life back into balance these are the reasons to applaud yourself for the gifts you give to your loved one and to yourself now the other seven in my book is about the seven elements of wellness for life balance when you're creating your wellness plan it goes beyond exercise nutrition or meditation that is just the tip of the iceberg to find life balance we have to look at the seven elements of life as identified by the ancient Greeks, Chinese, and Indian health practices. While trying to find time for all seven of these elements may seem daunting at first, my Me Time Monday book shows you how to take baby steps or what I call microflows in just seven or less minutes a day. So whether it's physical, social, environmental, emotional, intellectual, financial, or spiritual, these are all of the elements of wellness that help you bring that balance back into life. I also use the colors of the rainbow to illustrate how so much of our well being is tied to nature when our feelings of happiness and joy are supported through color psychology. So, whether it's seeing beautiful greenery, putting on a yellow shirt, or buying yourself yellow flowers, finding orange which makes you feel happier, all of this is part of the color psychology of the Me Time Monday program. You know, the Native American Hopi tribe has a word, Pawanakwatsi. It means a life out of balance, a life tethered to technology that has lost its connection to nature. What my book and my Me Time Monday program and workshops are all about is helping to guide you back to that balance in life but brings you hope, resilience, a sense of meaning, and joy. I hope you enjoyed this Me Time Monday wellness hack. Each episode of our Caregiving Club on-air podcast features a new Me Time Monday wellness hack, and you can find these and more in my new book, Me Time Monday, The Weekly Wellness Plan to Find Balance and Joy for a Busy Life. And visit the book information at MeTimeMonday.com or CaregivingClub.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Caregiving Club on Air. Please hit the subscribe button to listen to us on our newest channels, Amazon Music, SiriusXM, iHeartRadio, Pandora, as well as Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and other listening channels. And check out all the resources and article links on our episode guide page at caregivingclub.com. Just hit the podcast tab at the top and you can email us with comments and questions at podcast at caregivingclub.com. Thank you again for listening. Take care and stay well.